A certain man named John worked for his church's denomination in Minnesota, and one of his jobs was to travel to rural communities where they didn't have churches to conduct funerals for those people that had died. And so he would travel with the undertaker in the undertaker's hearse. And one time, when they were on their way back from a rather long trip, John was feeling quite tired, and so he decided to take a nap. And since they were in a hearse, he thought, I might as well spread out and lay down in the back. Now let me just pause for a minute and say, that's really creepy. But nevertheless, John did it. And as the guy who was driving the hearse pulled into the service station to get some fuel, the service station attendant who was filling up the gas tank of the car peered through the back window and was freaked out as he saw a body just laying across the back without a casket. And John, in the middle of this, woke up. And he opened his eyes and he sort of sat up in the car and he realized where they were and he saw the attendant outside and so he knocked on the window and he started waving to the man. (laughs) And as he recounts the story, he says that I have never, ever, ever seen anybody run so fast in my entire life. And the reason for that, of course, is because when people see life, where they're expecting death, they run. When people see life where they're expecting death, they start running. And on the third day, everything changed because everybody thought that they were going to see death, but there was life. And as they ran, Some were overwhelmed with joy because they believed. They believed something specific. Others were overwhelmed with concern because they didn't believe. And when we look at the account of the resurrection in John chapter 20, we see this glorious occasion that John tells the story in such a way that is chiefly concerned about belief. Because what you believe about the resurrection of Jesus has eternal implications for each and every one of you. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And so as we read it, if you have a Bible, you can open and follow along with me to John 20. The words are going to be on the screen behind me, but pay particular attention to how people respond to life where they expect death what kind of belief or unbelief is displayed. John chapter 20, verse one says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and she went to Simon Peter the other, and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, and they did not go in. 
Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were, For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this to them, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the sins from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, And by believing, you may have life in his name. 
the interactions and the details surrounding the resurrection in the Gospel of John point us to the struggle of belief. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then it's a little easier to believe that he rose from the dead. (laughs) If you believe Jesus rose from the dead, it points to the fact that he is, in fact, the Son of God. If you believe in him as the Son of God to forgive you of your sins, John 20, 31 says that you will have life, life in his name. And if you don't believe, you won't have that same life. You can be spiritually dead and maybe not even know it. But when you believe in him, you have life. Abundant life now and eternal life that follows. John 20 shows us that believing in the resurrected Jesus leads to new life in him. But it comes down to belief. And John points us to that reality with how all the people in this interaction respond when they see life even though they're expecting death. Mary is the first one on the scene. She gets to the tomb early. She realizes Jesus is gone and her grief is compounded. It's bad enough that he's dead. But now they would be denied the opportunity to mourn because she believed that someone had taken the body away. And so she ran back to tell Peter and John. And in turn, they ran toward the tomb. You can almost imagine the scene. Concern, maybe anger, maybe a hint of optimism as Peter and John raced each other through the streets, down the trail, up toward the tomb. And it's not surprising that John won. You always sort of picture Peter and his affect as maybe being this very large, gruff man. John perhaps being a little more slender, athletic. And as he arrives, John stops at the entrance and he peeks inside. Peter arrives moments later and plows his way right into the middle. And they both observe grave cloth was laying on the ground. And in an interesting detail, the cloth that was covering Jesus' face was folded up and set to the side. And what you see here in John 20, 8 and 9 is in some ways the setup for what John wants you to see. Not only is this Jesus raised from the dead, but From the very beginning, we see a fledgling belief, even though it doesn't have understanding. Look at verse 8. It says, Then the other disciple, that's John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they didn't understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. He saw and believed. Well, what did he see and what did he believe? He didn't see Jesus. He wasn't there. He saw the empty tomb. What did he believe? Well, he believed that he rose from the dead. He believed that Jesus was dead and now he was alive. He didn't understand what that all meant yet. He didn't understand how the scriptures had talked about this. He wasn't remembering Jesus' own words about rising from the dead. But at a very basic level, he had a young, fledgling belief 
that Jesus was dead and now he was alive. He believed. And in this way, John was maybe the first to experience this overwhelming joy of a new life. He saw and he believed. That's the glory of Easter Sunday. The Savior lives. He's not dead. He lives. And because the tomb was empty, joy and new life comes to those who experience the fact that he lives. But it's interesting. These two, they didn't see Jesus. They didn't see him, but they believed. Mary is remaining. The two disciples go back home, undoubtedly, to their brothers. And Mary still thinks that Jesus' body was taken. But then in the midst of her grief and tears, she peeks into the tomb. Angels appear and they say, woman, why are you weeping? And she says, they've taken my Lord away. Jesus is her Lord. She believes that, she, that he is her Lord, her master, her teacher. She loved him. She wanted to honor him by caring for, her, for his expired body. But she did not yet believe that he rose from the dead. Jesus was behind her in the garden and she didn't recognize him until he addressed her by her name, Mary. And in that moment, he displayed a glimpse of resurrection glory. And immediately, she believed. She believed that he was indeed risen from the dead. She went on and told the disciples, I've seen the Lord. John and Peter didn't see him, but they believed. Mary saw him and then believed. And we need to pause here for just a moment and talk about the importance of belief. Because Jesus talks a lot about belief throughout the course of his ministry and that belief is the bedrock for this new life that he promises to give you. What you believe about him specifically. John chapter 3, he says in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Or John 3.36, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Or John 6.40, this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Belief. Belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Belief in this text that he is the Son of God that is displayed in the fact that he rose from the dead. Believing in the resurrected, Jesus leads to new life in him. And when you look to verse 19, you see that Jesus appears to his disciples. They've now heard from John and Peter. They've not seen him, but they believe he's alive. They've heard from Mary, who has seen him, and believes he's alive. And they remain locked in their apartment because of fear of the Jews. Now, 
You might take that as an indication that they don't yet believe. It's hard to say. But nevertheless, Jesus appears to them through locked door and says, peace be with you. And he commissions them to the work of the gospel and he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them and undoubtedly they all believe. John and Peter don't see, they believe. Mary sees and then she believes. The disciples see and then they believe. But there's one missing. The disciple Thomas was not there. And when they went to Thomas and said, we've seen the Lord, he said some words that he wishes he could take back. (laughs) For a lot of different reasons, but one of them is most certainly because now he's received one of the worst nicknames in history, Doubting Thomas. And so verse 25 says, Thomas says, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. There's a lot of belief that's happening. But Thomas says he will never believe unless he sees. What is he saying? He's saying, I saw him die. Dead men don't come back to life. It just doesn't happen. I won't believe it until I see it. And he points to the fact that the resurrection of Jesus really is the crossroads of faith. The resurrection of Jesus is the crossroads of your faith with God, of a relationship with God. You can believe a lot of things about God and you can believe a lot of things about Jesus, but until you believe in the resurrection, Everything else is for naught. An African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet high and 30 feet long. And yet, these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in a zoo with a wall that's only three feet high. The animals won't jump unless they can see where their feet will land. They don't have any faith. Faith is the ability to trust what you cannot see. And with faith, we're freed from the flimsy enclosure of life that only fear entraps us in. But so many people refuse to believe what they can't see. And thus they remain trapped. They remain trapped in a dead spiritual existence. In essence, that's what happened to Thomas. He was saying after being with Jesus for three years, I don't believe he's the Christ. I don't believe he's the Son of God unless I see him. And as such, he's trapped in the flimsy enclosure of a dead spiritual life. John and Peter don't see Jesus and they believe. Mary sees Jesus and then she believes. The disciples see Jesus and then they believe. Thomas doesn't see Jesus and he does not believe. For eight days, he rests in his unbelief until Jesus appears to them again. 
he invites Thomas to put his finger in his hands and his hand in his side. And then he says these words, do not disbelieve, but believe. Have faith. He's really alive. And if he's really alive, he is really the Christ. He's really alive. He's really the Son of God. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas, in a drastic 180, does believe. He immediately cries out, my Lord and my God. In the moment of his unbelief turning to belief, he's now proclaiming that Jesus is not just his mentor. He's not just his teacher. He's not just his friend. He's not just his leader. He proclaims boldly that Jesus is God. But Jesus... In the moment of Thomas's coming around, sets the paradigm going forward. Have you believed because you've seen me? Answer, yes. <laughs> Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus is going to his father soon. He will no longer be appearing to his disciples with regularity. He will not appear to those who want to see him. He will not appear to those who require them being seen. Blessed are those, from now on he says, who have not seen and yet believe. My friend Jonathan Dodson calls the resurrection the dividing line. It's the parting claim. He says the resurrection is like a river that parts a road. People are on the road approaching the river and arriving at the river of the resurrection. You look across to where the road continues and you see quite a few cars that are there. And in your doubt, you can't imagine how those cars got to the other side of the river. How did they get across? How can rational people come to the conclusion that Jesus died and actually believe that he rose again from the dead? That does not happen, does it? Faith is the unnoticed fairy lying hidden against the bank of the river that takes you from the riverbank of doubt to the other side of belief in the resurrection. But it's not a blind faith. It's not a faith that just closes your eyes and wishes that Jesus rose from the dead. No, 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 it's a faith that's an informed faith. You cross this river with your eyes wide open. It's an informed faith for a historical, plausible resurrection witnessed to by hundreds of people, testified to for centuries with proof that when you believe in the one who rose, you actually have a new life. That is a fact worth believing. And so John and Peter... They don't see, but they still believe. 
Mary sees and then believes. The disciples see and then believe. Thomas doesn't see and refuses to believe until he sees. And then Jesus comes in and says, blessed are the ones who don't see, but believe. And he leads the story that way to get to the conclusion, which is what about you? (laughs) What do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that he really is the son of God? Do you believe that he really rose from the dead? And if you say you believe that, then it further points to the reality that God is real and present and someone that is worthy of the demands that he places upon you and upon your life. And so I want to close this morning and just ask you to consider a few different types of belief with me. Because a lot of people say they believe a lot of things. But what really comes down to it, it doesn't change their life. A lot of people say they believe in God generally or maybe Jesus vaguely, maybe even specifically. But when it comes down to it, does it really change their life? I think it depends on what kind of belief we're talking about. Some people say they believe something but their actions don't indicate that they really do. Take, for example, in 2017, NBA player Kyrie Irving famously was quoted as saying, the earth is flat. I'm telling you, it's right in front of our faces. They're lying to us. But it's interesting for such a strong assertion from a public figure, someone that has $50 million in the bank, there's no real account of him going to see the edge of the earth. I mean, it probably wouldn't be that hard for him to hop on an airplane, a private jet or chartered boat to go to the edge and check it out to verify such a claim. And moreover, it's curious the fact that he has actually flown on an airplane around the globe to Europe to play basketball and around the globe the other direction to China. His actions indicate that he didn't really believe what he said he believed. There are a lot of people who are like that with Jesus. Maybe it's you. Say they believe, but their actions don't really indicate that they do. Some people believe something, but they've never experienced what they say they believe. We we might call that intellectual assent. They acknowledge something to be real even though it has no bearing on their life. April 12th, 1961, a 27-year-old Russian cosmonaut named Yuri Garrigan completed the first manned space flight and he experienced zero gravity. I believe that that happened and I believe that there's no gravity in space. I believe it. However, I've never experienced zero gravity. It doesn't mean that the reality of zero gravity isn't there or that gravity or zero gravity doesn't affect me. It all does in a certain way. But I've never experienced it. It's not a daily thought in my life because I've never floated. 
I'm not worried about drifting off into space. And so I just never even think about it. Some people have that same dynamic with Jesus. They have an intellectual assent to him, the fact that he was real, that he's historical, that he taught important things, maybe even from a very distant sense, acknowledge the resurrection. But it doesn't affect their life. It's an intellectual assent. That's not the type of belief that Jesus is talking about here. He's not talking about belief that doesn't line up with your actions, and he's not talking about belief that doesn't have any experience attached to it. When John 20, 31 says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name, he is saying that this belief has a very real experiential element to it. Belief leads to life. New spiritual life right now and eternal life with God forever. If Jesus is the Son of God and if he really rose from the dead, then this belief, you believe it to be true, then this belief, when you really stop to think about it, demands something incredible of you. It demands that you surrender to him as the only God, that you seek the forgiveness that he offers to you, that he procured for you on the cross, that you even align your life to him because there is no other God who has revealed himself in such a way. Belief leads to life. Friends, I don't know where you are with regard to the Lord today. I don't know what kind of belief out of those categories or maybe others that you would identify yourself in. But the invitation of John chapter 20 and the invitation of the resurrection and the invitation to new life is this. Let today be the day of your belief. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you offer us life. And for the hundreds of people here today, so many have experienced life life that is rooted in belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Lord, we thank you that this life gives us joy and hope and a future. We thank you that even though we didn't in ourselves know we were dead, that now we know that we're alive, that we didn't know we were blind, but now we can see that we didn't hear clearly before, now that you help us to hear you crystally clear. We thank you for life. Father, I pray today for some who are among us or listening online who are at the precipice of belief. And I pray today that today would be the day of their belief, that they would experience the glorious resurrection of the Savior 
and the life that he gives. We worship him because he is worthy. We worship him because he is glorious. We worship the Lord Jesus because he is God. In his name we pray, amen.